Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The opinions expressed on the Rush Limbaugh program do not necessarily reflect those of WABC Radio or its management. And now, here's Rush Limbaugh. By the way, that's a gutless disclaimer. The views expressed by the host of this show ought to become federal law, and the station and sponsors ought to heartily endorse them. <laughs> that's him. That's Rush Limbaugh. Passed away today at 70 years old. <clears throat> That was Russia in the early days. So it was around 1990, I think, in in the flagship station in New York City. Um, and man, how familiar is that voice? What a what what a talent! What a powerhouse! This guy was just. What do you say? What do you say? So uh, I discovered Rush in when he first started. I, I was with my dad in the car, and we I, we were a big talk radio family. So we always, I always had the radio on growing up, and listening to WRKO and and WHDH and all these are these are Boston stations WBZ, which is which is a clear channel station. So if you're in the other part of the country, you might know BZ. Um, but when Rush came on in in '88, I was with my dad in the car, and we thought, "Who is this guy? This blustery big guy?" And always talking about how great he was in all the stations and this. And I thought, "This is a this is flim flam. This is just like Morton Downey Jr. except on the air." Which of course he was. Uh, he he took over for Morton Downey Jr. And Morton Downey Jr. moved from Sacramento Radio over to TV for his short-lived huge hit uh, TV show. Uh, Rush moved into Morton Downey Jr.'s place in Sacramento, and then the EIB network started, and all that stuff started. So I, I loved listening to Rush, and in this, I, I've talked to uh, five guys here, big uh, radio giants in. Um, in New England here on this on this episode Alice is she's here with me but she doesn't she wasn't in the uh, whole uh, the Russia wave that happened but she's going to be doing the video stuff and um, I've got to say 
Limbaugh was, he changed everything. He The show was so big and loud and had so many elements and its own sounds and own stingers and, and liners and all of the cuts that he would get, these audio cuts that he would get from all over the place. And his dissection and his, he set people on the course of learning to scrutinize the media and learning to use your own filter when it comes to things that are happening in the media. He knew, he knew, he was so ahead of the curve, uh, ahead of the curve on that. And I remember when I first heard him talking about the mainstream media and this and that and the drive-by media and what they do. I thought, what is he talking about? Tom, uh, Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings and Dan Rather, they seem like very nice guys. They're handsome, L-educated sounding men. Why would they possibly be lying to me? And Limbaugh did such a, an effective job on so many of us in training us to be discerning and to vet every source and every premise that was out there. He was just, he was just, he was just incredible. And since then, it, what I'm saying now is so redundant to what, what you're about to hear as well. Because then I repeat myself, today was a, it, since Rush died, I've reached out to some folks that I've known in radio. And I just wanted their take on the impact that Rush had and what he meant. And so we've got a good uh, a lineup here. It's, um, we start out with VB, who's Doug Gowdy who was Howie Carr's producer for years, then went on to TV and then his own thing, and now he's a New York host, uh, host in New York. Um, and um, after VB, Todd Feinberg, who's at WTIC in Hartford, Connecticut. And then from Todd, we go to Howie Carr, who's uh, syndicated, but you can get it. He's in WRKO in Boston as well. And um, and then after Howie, I talked talk to Jerry Callahan and Kirk Minahan. And... Uh, so these are Jerry and Kirk, of course, were until a couple of years ago on WEI, the big, the huge uh, powerhouse morning show, maybe the best morning show that that uh, that uh, has been in the airwaves. It was really a hell of a show. Um, it was too good to last, of course, which is which plays into everything we're talking about here. Um, but um, for me, just listening to Rush and how fun his show was, and being a very young man, there was a time when when. I was just 19 or 19 years old, and my job, my brother lived in um, Tennessee, in Fort Campbell, in Tennessee, so I went to live with him. I was decided that I wanted to be a, 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 a rock star or a country music star. I don't know what I wanted to be, but was, I wanted to be something that I was not prepared to work hard to be, so I just really just hung around. So... So we lived on right off of base. First, we, I lived on base in the barracks, and then his sergeant uh, said that that's ending right now because I was not indeed an enlisted member of the military. So he booted us, uh, booted me, and we moved to a trailer in a trailer park in Kentucky down the street, Carter's mobile home a lot, and we lived in a trailer there. And the jo- I got a job delivering pizzas, pizzas and subs from a place called Fox's Pizzas in in. Uh, Clarksville, not Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, uh, maybe it was Clarksville. No, Fort Campbell, whatever it is. Okay. So anyway, so I would have Rush on in the car. And as uh, Minahan mentions in, dur- during this interview, I would get Rush in the morning live when he'd be on, and then there was a delayed broadcast, and I'd listen to him again during my job, my shift to deliver pizzas. And some of these pizzas in subs that I was delivering were way out in the bayou. Some of them were way out in the camp. You know, the, the, the fort itself is miles and miles big. 
So, and you can't drive when you're in Fort Campbell and you're on post, you can't drive more than 10 miles per hour or whatever it is. And so I would just listen to Rush all day. And I had, I was driving my brother's VW Bug. It was a Fuchsia VW Bug. It was an odd thing to be driving. But it was so fun. And I just listened to Rush and deliver these pieces. And I'd be thrilled. Sometimes they'd say, well, uh, Tom, this next sub has to go to Hopkinton into a tobacco farm. And so the, the trip would be like 28 minutes or 45 minutes. And I'd be off-roading and I'd have to use maps and and uh, dirt roads. And it was incredible. And I had Rush with me. So it was just great. And so... It, it, it was so, he was such a good broadcaster. It was such a fun show, and he was such a great, great talent. Uh, and we had him for 70 years. That's, it could be worse, could be better. Um, he got, he died of cancer, which sucks. It's affected your life, I know. It's affected my life. It affects everybody's life. But this guy was, damn, he was incredible. Um, <laughs> Rush Limbaugh. So before we get to Howie, oh, no, no, we're going to go to VB first. Before we get to VB, I just want to play something for you that I think you might be is is kind of think is kind of neat. You know how I've told you, I told you that um, that there's this footage of Rush on um, on WABC from 1990 when his show was fairly new still. Well, this is just a little peek into Rush talking about. Uh, this tells you this is inside radio baseball, inside baseball radio stuff too. So the intro starts to play, but there's a camera set up in the studio from a C-SPAN camera that's filming him. So you get to hear in the intro, when Rush's mic is not on, what he says to his producer, Bo Snurdly. And he goes back with the IFB, which is the little intercom thing, to talk to him about stuff that they're going to do. And this happens in radio all the time. When you're hearing the intro show, sometimes producers and the host are really chatting, last-minute housekeeping things before they jump on the air. So I just thought this was kind of cool. This is uh, Rush... Limbaugh, 1990, the show about to start, and you hear as the intro goes, him communicating. What he communicates with Bo Snurdly is that in the last segment, which was the environmental update he used to do, environmental wackoism or whatever it was, he communicates to him that he forgot a couple things, and he wants Snurdly to remind him to get back to it. I'm Harley Carnes, WABC News, along with Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> elements of the animal rights update. But I don't think I should play the song again. It's too long. I'll just throw them in. But we are going to do another General Dinkins update. Unity theme. Greetings once again, ladies and gentlemen, all across the Fruited Plain. Welcome back. WABC News Talk Radio 770 in New York. Rush Limbaugh with yet another excursion into broadcast excellence. Even though the lines are jammed, and they always are, the phone numbers to reach us, 201-489-WABC. That's for New Jersey residents from anywhere else. Dial 212-563. Thought that was kind of cool. All right, let's get right to it here. we got a lot to talk about, the impact of the great Rush Limbaugh. This is VB Doug Gowdy. All right, um, back with a friend of the Burn Barrel Podcast, my personal friend, as a matter of fact. Um, Doug VB Gowdy and uh, Doug is with now was with RKO forever and uh, and um, and now is at uh, in Albany at News Radio eight ten and one hundred three point one WGY as part of the Doug and Kelly show and uh, so I guess we both come to this rush thing kind of similar. Neither of us knew him. You certainly ran. You certainly worked at the station that ran his syndication and. 
were you a talk radio fan when he came onto the scene? I just was getting in when he was starting to get big. I started uh, at HDH Radio in Boston mm. before it merged with RKO and 91. And Rush had just gotten syndicated, I think, in 88 or 89. And he was just exploding. And he actually came to HDH uh, several times to broadcast there for several days at a time. I once got him water, Shattuck. I never met him, but I got, hey, new guy, go get water for the guy. And I had to run and get him a bottle of water. Um, I knew a lot of people that knew him and knew him fairly well. And it's just amazing. Like, this is one of those things where you kind of knew it was coming at some point, but still it's like, wow, the the – you think about what he did and what he accomplished and how he changed in industry and how you know, there's been a lot of imitators, but no one's ever been able to replicate it. Not even close. Yeah, I can't I can barely think of somebody who's not somewhat derivative of Rush, certainly nationally. Mm. Hannity is absolutely the Rush tam- template. You know, and anybody, the guys who had the short stints all over North when he was doing it, the guy from um, even um, Hugh Hewitt. I mean, these people, Rush's. Part of all of it. And you can tell, actually, which people listened to Rush in the beginning because the, the Rush of 1989, it was different than the Rush of two years ago. You know, remember, he was – first of all, he had, it was rife with comedy bits. He was having a lot of fun. Um, like he was, it was a very funny show at the beginning with the environmental updates and the feminist stuff and et cetera. And, um, and you know, it, 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 some of that stuff seemed to fall by the wayside in recent years. But the show came out like gangbusters. This guy was cocky. He was like he would he he would um, you know, brag about himself and the, and how the fact that they were you know we're up to three hundred twenty six stations, three hundred twenty seven, three hundred twenty eight. I mean, Jesus! It, it was just like what a tour de force. You think about how many guys, you know, radio's all imitation. There's no original ideas or whatever. But how many guys across the country? Oh, so much to rush and followed what he did. Again, when I got started at HDH, one of Rush's big targets was Ted Kennedy. <laughs> and he used to get after him mercilessly. And, you know, when I ultimately ended up on the show that I was a part of in Boston for a long time, we certainly, you know, ran with that. And that was sort of the guidepost of how you could do this sort of stuff before him, man, that stuff didn't go on like that. And you know, it's crazy, but the left they've tried for years to be who's our left rush and they never could. They've tried a number of people, but it's never worked on radio. He was a unique guy, you know, ups and downs, controversies, you know, all sorts of stuff swirling around him, but he survived it all. He prospered through it all. When you think about what radio was in 88 versus what radio is in 2021, how the hell could a guy not only survive that long, but just prosper and flourish? He did it. And it's just remarkable. Yeah, you, you, I'm glad you bring that up about him going after Ted Kennedy. Remember the the, the bit song, you know, the, the philanderer? Mm-hmm. About, l- openly made fun of his philandering, called him the swimmer. You know, uh, All humor around Mary Jo Kopechny, which in a lot of circles at that point was still not cool. I mean, Howie Carr obviously was doing it, and that was shocking too. The stuff that obviously, and this is true of any of us, right? But, you know, what you did when you started versus – where you are today, but it, you had it right. He was a very different show then. 
but that's a testament to the guy. Look, you got to change. You got to change with the times because the times are changing. I mean, if you could tell 1988 Rush, you know, wait till you see what the world in the country is in 2020. He would have gone like, you're joking, right? And mm-hmm. if you told 2020 Rush what he would was doing in 1988, he would be like, there ain't no way you could do that sort of stuff. But again, he was so big, he was so powerful, and he was so good that he was able to navigate all those changes. And, and I wouldn't say come through it unscathed, but he was – like they all say about the French Revolution, what did you do? I survived. Rush was more than that. I mean, he not only survived through each of these stages and changes, but he flourished in every one of them. I mean, to to this day, Shattuck, he is still like the icon after all that time mm-hmm. and all the political change, societal change, cultural change. He's still the number one guy. That's remarkable. Yeah. And he... he- was an inventor or originator of the template of what a conservative has in his universe for rush was on media bias long before it was a mainstream everyday thing. And he had thousands of cuts, you know, he had all these cuts, you know, at a time when you used to have to roll on TV live and it was on once. So, so, you know, to put on the, the radar of conservatives, media bias is just, just remarkable. Hang on one second there, VV. You're getting the pizza order, Shattuck, I think. So, so, um, and, you know, it, it's also at, at a time when, look, we talk about the media bias he put on the radar and the map of people, conservatives, which is something that once you start looking for it, like Rush was pointing out every day, you never stop noticing it. You know, you, you start to build a muscle oh, yeah. of noticing that media bias. And also, he was one of the, because I think he came out, in, it was 88, right, when he, when he came to HDH, mm-hmm. when he was out of uh, uh, Sacramento, so he started immediately cementing the legacy of Ronald Reagan, and created the Reagan way as also the template for conservatives, and that undoubtedly educated young Republicans who are now seasoned Republicans and office holders everywhere. I mean, he really supercharged the Republican Party. There's a couple of guys, there's, there's so much influence he had, Shattuck, as you well know, but one of the things that he did, there was always a certain level for politicians where they got there and their interest in participating in talk radio would sort of fade and you'd only get them during an election or really towards the end of an election, whatever. Presidential candidates who you never were getting were like, I got to be on with him. I remember George W. Bush going on there and they didn't love each other, actually. Mm. And there was a lot of conflict as to what kind of Republican George W. Bush was and where the country was and what direction we were heading in and all that sort of stuff. But he knew I got to go on Rush and I got to be on that show or else. And that was a thing that he had that other people don't have. He just created such a huge following. He was so influential. You had no choice. And if you were on the wrong side, man, you were going to pay a price. If he decided that you were one of the guys he didn't like, you can go down the list of Democratic politicians that that incurred it. Rather, it wasn't just Ted Kennedy, Dianne Feinstein for a long time. But it wasn't just politicians, too. There were judges in Boston, you well remember, he used to do impressions of. And he used to mock mercilessly. <laughs> and that was no fun place to be if you were on the receiving of that. Believe it. 
Yeah, man, what a what a force. What a force this guy was. And and also, of course, he drew the ire of national media. He was lampooned. Al Franken wrote a book all about him. Rush Limbaugh was a big fat liar. I mean, this guy was just the the absolute lightning rod for conservatives. But he never like he, like we've talked about. Other than coming clean about you know maybe um, disparaging Sandra Fluke or or uh, is his drug abuse, he never took a step back. I mean, he never softened really. Do you remember his TV show? Yeah, yes, and the ties. I think I might have had one. I remember when that TV show happened, though. We were like, "How is this gonna go?" It did go. He he pulled that off. That was way before you had. That was when, you know, news in TV news, there was very little commentary, period. There was a clear delineation of what TV was versus what radio was. You know, when Stern did his thing on the E! Network, that was one thing, but that, that was almost entirely entertainment. Rush's thing was a different thing. What is this thing at, like, I think it was at midnight or 11.30, a half-hour show, and nobody yeah. thought that was going to work, but it did. It did, and he wasn't he wasn't telegenic necessarily. You know, he was a bigger fella. Uh, he was, he, he, but he had such a good time in that show. And I mean, it's no, it's not. It makes sense that he came on the heels of Morton Downey Jr. You know, because whatever magic that Sacramento station had, where Morton Downey Jr. was the first guy, and then Rush was the second guy. I mean, the. the and also, I think, VB, that, that those the days of the big personality, blah, 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 I think that's kind of over. Can you imagine him coming along today and trying to pitch what he was then and say, hey, this is going to be a huge thing and whatever? There, there is no way. There is no way. I don't know how it happened back then, but it did. I think what happened was I don't know that everybody knew what it was and they're like, who's this guy and whatever, but he just kept building it and it just kept going and people kept gravitating to it. And then the people that didn't like that or didn't want that to succeed, by the time they finally decided to take it seriously, it was all over. They were way late to the party, as is often the case with a lot of times when Rush would take on an issue. If you didn't get it right at the beginning, you could forget it because he was going to dominate and he was going to win. Yeah, no. I mean, what a force. What a force. All right, VB, I appreciate it. I've dragged you out of your day. You've, you're newly moved, a new transplant to New York State. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the water, the temperature of the politics stays about the same when you go from Baker to Cuomo. But um, you can catch VB at 103.1 WGY and 810, News Radio 810. And uh, WGY.iHeart.com as well. And he's on Twitter, at VBTheWise. Uh, thank you very much, my friend. Excelsior, Shattuck. That's <laughs> the New York State motto, don't you know? Is it really? It's on the flag, yeah. Perfect. And, of course, thank you to VB. If you wanted to know what the Limbaugh uh, update was going to be that we played before VB... Uh, this was the uh, piece he had left out. Idaho Falls, Idaho. As you know, there's a major controversy out in the great northwest over the spotted owl. And President Bush has issued a command, save the owl and save jobs. I don't believe the northern spotted owl is an endangered species. <laughs> and that will be decided by the Interior Department. Fish and game or something on June 23rd. What are you frowning at it? You know, it's just a bunch of wacko leftist environmentalists who are continuing their assault on capitalist America by trying to do two things, put the timber business out of business and take away from people private property. So in that case, <clears throat> in WABC, Rush was actually talking to the newswoman 
who was sitting at the table with him. She was shaking her head at him, which I think he thoroughly enjoyed. Okay, I'm going to talk to Todd Feinberg here. Todd started radio in the 70s in FM and then went over to AM in the 80s and then got into the restaurant business and then jumped back in, in, I think, in the early 2000s. Um, And uh, so I screwed this interview. Uh, It's funny that we're talking about the master of broadcasting who is Rush Limbaugh today. I screwed up so badly today in several ways, and you're going to hear them all. You probably heard some with Phoebe. I interview. I spent an entire 13 minute interview with Todd. I recorded one with him, and then after I recorded, I realized I had a setting on my board wrong, so only my voice came through. So he wasn't there. So I texted him and told him about that, and he offered to do it to do it again, which is really low and pathetic of me to 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 put the ask out there in a very subtle beg. But uh, he, uh, he did. He was nice enough to do that. So then when I interviewed him the second time, I didn't start recording until 28 seconds into his answer. So he's, um, he's talking about Limbaugh in mid-sentence here. This is Todd Feinberg of WTIC. I'm not so into the insiderness of Washington that he was into, the, the analyzing every little movement behind the scenes that creates a piece of legislation or or whatever, uh, sometimes, you know, and so I would go months without listening to it. Like he's been on at, uh, just before me. And sometimes I'll go months without listening and other times I'll listen every day. And, you know, it's just, it's like anything you get in a mood. So I listen as a listener and sometimes I'm excited to hear him and sometimes not, but uh, certainly uh, sobering, you know, Tom Lehrer, do you know who Tom of Lehrer course. is? Killing pigeons in the park. Yeah. So Tom Lehrer had this line about, about uh, how little we've accomplished in life. And he said, uh, Mozart, for example, when he was my age, had been dead for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Tom Lehrer was a young guy. And uh, and that's how I feel about Rush. Rush died at age 70. Hmm. And I think, wow, he's been, he's been on top of the radio world for forever. Like as long as there's been talk radio, Rush has been at the helm of it. So it, historically, it's a huge event. And I wonder what it means for like my radio station. What are they going to do with the noon to three slot to have a to have a powerful voice who's the best at what he does in the noon to three time slot? That's a pretty cool thing if you're a programmer. And if you need to prove that to yourself, just consider what would you do with a noon to three slot when you're. I'm assuming that any corporate radio station, I don't know this about WTIC, which is owned by Intercom, but I assume, I assume any of the big owners is saying, okay, we've got two choices. Either we find someone who costs us virtually nothing who will do it for the, uh, as a local host just because they want the visibility and they'll get enough repayment or we'll get a syndicated host who will suck and won't bring in you know, a fraction of the audience. <laughs> so from, from the point of view of radio and the point radio's at in its trajectory, it's a, it's a really particularly onerous business challenge because he was this huge force who, you know, like this explosive rocket ship who, I mean, who, what other radio talk host has gotten whatever that medal of freedom was that yeah. uh, Donald Trump gave him. You know, it's interesting, too, that um, you talk about noon to three, which is Russia's slot. Is that is that peculiar that he was a midday host? I mean, wouldn't somebody have stuck him in morning drive and then to just rebroadcast the rest of it throughout the day? And I've heard him on tape delay in other markets. 
But you you think that somebody that like why wouldn't they have put him on Morning Drive in New York City or or PM Drive somewhere? Well, it started out of um, a San Diego no Sacramento. A Sacramento radio station, right? right? So maybe they put him on noon to three in their market to test him out, and that would have been afternoon drive at the time, right? Or that the would have West been, Coast. Well, the West that would have been nine to noon for them. No, aren't they three hours earlier than us? So if yes. they're putting him on at noon their time. Right. That would have been three to six here. So you're right. That, that would have been maybe they started out that way. I don't recall. And maybe you know, I don't know how it worked at the beginning. But maybe that's why he did that slot, or maybe they just had this vision that he was so good that you wouldn't break into a radio station uh, of any size if you were doing afternoon drive. Like that he invented the syndication era, I think. So they might have said, where is the slot where we could get clearances at decent radio stations? Yeah, 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 it's a great point. And probably local salespeople want to be able to sell locally with local talent, I assume, as well. So uh, that's a little bit X's and O's, but I like that stuff anyway. Um, one other thing I noticed about Rush that I had never seen before him, um, it was a radio show so dependent and so full of great audio. I mean, the Rush had so many cuts during the day and these really good cuts at a time when you couldn't just go to YouTube. You had to be rolling on yeah. stuff live. You had to have people who knew what to look for and roll on stuff live. So he had all sorts of great stuff before it was easily gettable. I mean, that's it, it, that blows me away. Um, for, First of all, did you – does that seem – so, like something that was actually true to you as well it must have been in terms of the sound cuts yes yeah i've always uh i've always been mad at him that he had the ability that, that he i could picture him having a team of 200 interns <laughs> just yes. cutting up sound for him you know which obviously he didn't do but but the idea to have a resourced rate uh radio show in that way you know npr NPR puts some average uh, intellectual bookworm on the on the radio, and they have they have three or four full time producers who are planning segments and reading books to see if they're mm. good enough for the host to read and all that stuff. But normal radio doesn't work that way without the government payment. You know, um, we're basically on our own in in this business. Yeah, in a lot of those, so a lot of those cuts that he played, and I remember I've worked on radio shows where people would just roll on rush to grab the cuts. Actually, back at RKO, we did it too. Um, a lot of those, um, a, a lot of those cuts that he played became iconic. So he had, "Can I get me a hunting license over here?" Before anybody did, which became a really that's the John Kerry thing where he walks into the you know store and uh, and is asks, that what that shot was where he was carrying the gun in 04? I don't know if he was carrying a gun in there, but it was somewhere in Pennsylvania, I'm pretty sure. Because there was know. a shot of him walking around with a rifle. I, yeah, I'm not surprised. He was a great outdoors person, as you remember, as he called himself back then. Anything to win an election. So, so you know, it, later on, Rush got away from bits, and he got away from... He had all these big produced bits and environmental reports yeah. and all this this stuff. And in his segments as well, and he became more of a monologue host. Uh, does that happen because you're simply bored of your trappings, and you? Or is that a matter of challenging yourself as a host? You know, I don't know what it was with him. I think that was his preference. I'll bet he did the bits because that's what he thought 
they conceived a radio show and they probably thought bits were a good thing before they realized and maybe before he realized you know you have to come into your own as a in any kind of performance whatever it is you have to find where your sweet spot is I, I likened it for the first time I was saying this to I was interviewing somebody for a producer position and I was saying your challenge and he was telling me about a podcast he does and I'm saying that the challenge is is to find that part of yourself that works best in the medium that you're in and it's like you could be the greatest athlete in the world but that doesn't mean you're going to be the greatest football player you've got to find what's the job on a football team that you can do best that maximizes your potentials and that's a different thing from just being a great athlete. Like you've got to find the pieces of yourself that really work well in those jobs. A wide receiver is different from a running back is different from a, a lineman. And, and some of them are physical attributes and some are, are uh, intellectual predispositions and, and God's gifts, you know, and rush was just gifted for talking mm. and weaving yarns. And, but the biggest part of it to me is the preparation. My, um, my image of him is that he sat there all day watching TV, taking phone calls, reading newspapers, like full-time yes. funnels of information, just, you know, like big conduits hooked up to his brain with, uh, with information rolling in all day. So uh, before I let you go, Todd, and thank you very much for the second interview today. The only one. This one's better. I like day. it. Maybe we should go for a third. Yes. Um, let me know if you screwed it up again. <laughs> we, um, <laughs> This guy had a huge audience. At any given time, half the country hated Rush Limbaugh. Um, he was impervious to it. He didn't seem to have a nervous breakdown along the way. He got addicted to painkillers through a back injury. Uh, so talk about that. At any given time, you've got people who hate you, believe it or not, too, Todd, because yes. you're out you're saying things. And now you're saying things. You say things that are not popular to say. And in some places, will get you fired in an HR. It's simply for asserting logic now right right so logic do, is dangerous yes do you feel it do you feel that energy out there when you walk out the door pressure a pressure or this ominous cloud of hate do you acknowledge it do you do you is it something that's palpable to you or do you not is it invisible to no you? no hate, um hate is just the uh the parallel universe to love so some people hear Every like I hate Barbara Streisand. I think she's repulsive. Her controlling, intensive need to be perfect, and how big she makes everything that comes out of her mouth. Now somebody else loves that. Right. It's nothing personal. If she invited me over to the house, I'm sure I would hate her in person, but it wouldn't matter. You know, she's just a human being, and we all line up based on our own idiosyncrasies. And I feel like the same thing is true of ideology. I feel like if you took me and the average human and we all, and, and I could make the average human have all of the same inputs that I'd had my whole life, that they would probably come to some conclusion fairly close to mine. But some of it is just genetic and the identical inputs will bring opposite results. And that's just, if you state an opinion, I think you were starting to say this, if you actually state a, assert mm -hmm. an opinion, boy, Tom Brady is an amazing competitor, isn't he? And if you say that in a, in a, like you're riding on a Greyhound bus, like all these heads will turn around and look at you with scowls. Why are you talking like this? I mean, you just can't express opinions without pissing people off. 
Well, but some of these opinions now are considered violence. So what your Todd on WTIC at three o'clock is speaking violence and causing violence, you know, and so. Yeah, if real people actually believe that and feel like they can explain it, like somebody who's thought it through enough to have an argument for why it's violence to say, I believe in the American system of government or liberty is the only way to get from here to there or Democrats are operating. uh, They are the party of racism and they operate a an oppressive government when they have the chance. Those are, to me, obvious facts, which I can justify, and I would just ask of them to be able to prove why I'm wrong. <laughs> All right. Anything that we asked during the first last interview that was good that we're missing? Um, well, can I comment on Howie? Because you're going to have Howie on? Yes, this is Howie on the phone right now, as a matter of fact. Oh, you want to talk to him? No, it's okay. I'm going to get it. I'm going to okay. call him right back. <laughs> um, well, I think Howie's an interesting the guy ha, guy to have on because Howie's gift for talk radio is I think that he's so um, he's so viscerally the core audience. Like Howie mm-hmm. is the the person who's listening to him. He's the guy in the UPS truck. Mm who's got him blasting so he can hear him while he's running the package up to the, to the front of the building, whatever, you know, he's, he's that visceral, essential conservative person and his, the same way Jerry Callahan is. Right. So if Jerry Callahan or, or Howie Carr are going on the air saying those knee jerk conservative things, they're being totally sincere. I don't know that rush was being totally sincere when he said those things. I think he was, sculpting his message to satisfy his audience in certain circumstances. And I just think that I had that flash of understanding about Howie. And I, I love that about Howie, that he totally owns what he says on the radio. And that, that I think that's why Howie's an iconic host. Todd Feinberg, you too are an iconic host. WTIC. Follow him at Todd Feinberg. I'm sorry. Todd talk on Twitter. Thank you, my friend. See ya. Thank you, Tom. See ya later. I appreciate it. I promise the next Feinberg interview, uh, will you'll get the whole thing and it will be clipped at the beginning. But thank you for sitting for that. If you're a Rush yes. uh, listener, you remember this. So this was obviously Rush's um, feminist update uh, bumper music, uh, and that was always hilarious as well. I mean, he, the way he could make fun and have fun with, and he had the, that edge of a little bit uh, chauvinistic in a fun-loving way. But uh, it, when he got hold of the audio of very angry feminists, and or or just just news stories about them, it was very very funny. Okay, let's get right to him. Howie Carr is actually the, the only guy in this podcast who knows Rush, who's actually, uh, I know he's talked to him in, um, on the air. I know he's interviewed him a, a couple of times, but uh, Howie's actually run into him down in Florida as well, and we get to that in this 
interview right here. Okay, we are here with Howie Carr. He is uh, he is a syndicated radio host. You can go to HowieCarrShow.com um, to find out, to watch him online. You can buy his books. Zip Connolly, by the way, the, the um, FBI, corrupt FBI uh, fixer. Uh, was just released from prison, and uh, Howie writes a great deal about him in his books. Howie, what a day. I know. I know. I can't believe uh, Zip Connolly was picked up by uh, Francis Xavier Joyce, the former tin whistle player in uh, Billy Bulger's band at Halitosis Hall. I mean, you, this this stuff, I, I mean, I couldn't have imagined it. Incredible. Incredible. So uh, let's get to Rush. In, so Rush came on the scene, Rush Limbaugh, in 1988, on um, HDH. And so at that time, were you still doing the rounds with Jerry Williams or did you have your gig on HDH? No, no. I, I was just uh, getting started with Jerry Williams as a uh, member of the governors. The governors right. started a few months later. They were uh, broadcasting uh, the uh, tape delays of uh, Rush Limbaugh on, on the weekends, on Saturday afternoons. And I was list- I remember listening to it, to hearing all this stuff. And thinking, wow, this is amazing. I mean, you know, sometimes I would listen to Imus in the morning, uh, but uh, I mean, this guy put the Imus to shame. Uh, the use of uh, sound yeah. and the, uh, the 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 parodies, the 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 Paul Shanklin uh, song uh, songs. I mean, just everything he did was just amazing, and I'd never heard it before. And you know, I grew up listening to Jerry Williams, and uh, he he was a pioneer in his own way. But Rush took it to a whole nother level, and uh, it, it was—I've I've listened to him ever since. It, it, and actually, in a couple of years later, really, you talk about those parodies. But there were two people were hammering Teddy Kennedy on the radio. One was in Boston, you, and one Rush was vicious too. The Shanklin stuff with the uh, the philanderer. Remember that song? Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I was just writing about that for my column tomorrow. There, he, he, he had a great one for uh, Mike Dukakis during the presidential campaign. Nowhere man. <laughs> How perfect. He, and for Barney Frank, after they had the hot bottom scandal, he, he came up with uh, My Boy Lollipop. I mean, those are just, that's just three, three immortal nicknames from Massachusetts, one state, you know? Yeah. He he was uh, he he was really something, and and you know and again he, he was a member of uh, an honorary member of the freshman class of the uh, Republican uh, U.S. House of Representatives in 1995 because he had so much to do with them uh, winning control of the U.S. House of Representatives for the first time in 40 years. 40 years. Yeah, it, he, he just had all kinds of power. I, I still remember he loved playing a uh, cut of uh, uh, of Bill Clinton. He was, uh, he was on Air Force One heading down to Missouri or something, and he was on KMOX, which was the big blowtorch out of St. Louis, which, yeah. you know, was Rush's, like his home station, basically, from uh, from where Rush was from. And, and Clinton was going, you know, I got, I'm up against this here guy, Rush Limbaugh. He he got three <laughs> hours a day, and all I got is a couple of minutes on the national news. And it was just, I mean... <laughs> He was he was saying Rush Limbaugh had a bigger bully pulpit than the president of the United States. That's incredible. It's incredible. You might remember that in 92, when Rush was I'm sorry, when Clinton was running, a caller called Rush whose voice just sounded a little bit like Clinton and Rush had him record lines for him. You remember he did. Remember, I love the military. That was a caller, but he sounded like Clinton and he just used him. 
Right. I, I know. I, I mean, he just, and you know, the thing is, do people forget it too? His TV show was pretty damn good too. Yeah. I mean, he, he would take, he would do the same thing with those video clips that he would do with the audio clips every night and uh, just to knock them out. And it was a great show, but I guess he was getting boycotted. I, I think was what the yeah. problem was. Well, how I remember that the ponytail guy, that's one of the guys that he focused in on in the TV show. The guy who said during the debate, aren't we all symbolically your children to Bill Clinton? Right. And then that's and then, and then that's when uh, George Bush began looking at his wristwatch as any sane person would have at that point. You know, like, when is this ever going to be over? So, yeah, he was, he, go, ahead, go ahead. I remember when when Rush had the drug problem, he was arrested and all that stuff. I remember listening to you and you thought he was, it was curtains at that point, And so did I. They couldn't get couldn't get past that. But, you know, this guy who has survived boycotts actually. He he just I can't believe, you know, he went out, you know, off. He shed his mortal mortal coil, uh, you know, before he was ever canceled. Yeah, I, I mean, look, he, he survived boycotts. He survived the, the drug problem. He survived tax persecution in, in New York City. Remember that? I mean, they, they wanted him to keep paying taxes. They accused him of being an income tax evader, even though he had long since moved down to Florida. I mean, and, and he, he was always a very good-natured guy, you know? I mean, it, it wasn't like you saw him around town a lot. But, uh, you know, he, he, he stayed to himself, but he, he, had his, he had his little studio on uh, Royal Palm Way. He would drive in there in, in, the, uh, in the late morning and do the show and then go back and, uh, and play golf. And, and he, had a, he had a great life. And it's just a, it's just a shame that he never really got to, to enjoy any kind of, uh, you know, uh, reduced work schedule and, yeah. and, and, you know, got to enjoy this fantastic weather we have down here. It's just I, a, a, a nice lifestyle. I I forgot that he was in the neighborhood there. What were your interactions with him like? I, I only, you know what? I, I ran into him one time at a, at a restaurant. That's the only time I, I ever saw him. You know, he, again, he didn't, he didn't hang out. Uh, he, he got married at the breakers where, where, which is in walking distance of me. And my father used to work there, but I wasn't invited to the wedding. Uh, you, you may remember Elton John sang there. I think he was paid a million bucks. Uh, <laughs> And I think he played at the, I think he used to play at some of the golf courses, maybe some of Trump's golf courses, but you know, he, he wasn't like a guy who, who was a uh, social and especially after he lost his hearing. Cause mm. you know, once he, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he, he really did a great job, he must've had one of the, uh, one of the, one of the best, uh, court reporter types in the, in the, uh, in the country. Cause he, it was like, he could still hear the calls in, in, in he could even hear the inflections. But, uh, you, you know, when, when he was in public and uh, especially in, a, in a, like a crowded restaurant, it, if you if you're deaf, you, you just can't pick up anything. It's just yeah. it's just a, a blare. And uh, yet somehow, you know, you'd see you'd see him out there the couple times I saw him. He, he'd have the big uh, the big, uh, oh, ear, you know, uh, ear, ear pieces in uh to listen, but, uh, you know, but he was always a, a very sociable guy, you know, and he, he was always, you know, he, he would take time to talk to you. He, he never, uh, you know, just, uh, brushed people aside. Like, like some do. Before I let you go, Howie, you've got your show to do, you know, I, I consider you guys kind of similar in the sense that even people who despise Howie Carr and might despise Rush still listen because on your show, you're having a good time. And Rush used to have a hell of a good time. It was laughing, having fun, even when the world's falling apart. Um, 
one, do you uh, agree? And uh, and two, is that something that, that's necessary to be in this business as long as you have? I, I think so. I mean, I you know, if, if you're not having a good time, the audience is not going to have a is not having a good time. And if they're not having a good time, they're going to hit the button and, and get out. So you the, whatever mood you're in, uh, you know, inside, you have to put on a happy face. And uh, and, you know, the thing about it is uh, radio is just such a uh, such an immediate medium. It's you could turn it on a dime. If something happens, you don't have to scramble a crew to a TV crew to get out there. You don't have to, you know, wait for the papers to uh, roll off the presses. You can just go like that. And I think Rush loved it. And, and Rush came out of the 60s, you know. I, you know, I'm, he's a little older than me, but, uh, you know, it was the same thing. Uh, he, you know, you, we were driving around at night listening to AM stations, the big stations all, all over the country. I'm sure in Missouri, I know he could pick up WLS, CKLW, uh, WCFL in Chicago, those were top 40 stations here in the East. It would be uh, WABC and then later WRKO in Boston. And, uh, it, you know, we had this, uh, this love of radio that I, unfortunately I don't think a lot of people have now that people that are coming up, it's just because the technology has changed so much, but he, he loved it and he appreciated his opportunities. I don't think he, I think he thought he was out of it. And, uh, you know, when he was working as a PR guy for the Kansas city Royals, the baseball team, and, uh, when he got lucky enough to, to come back in, he wasn't going to blow his, uh, his, his chance to uh, make a name for himself. And he certainly made the most of his opportunities. Wow. So Howie, thanks so much. So you're going to be wall to wall rush. Are you going to do some zip Connolly as well, or? Well, we'll do some zip Connolly. And there was a town hall meeting last night, okay. uh, with, uh, Joe Biden in which he explained why uh, blacks and Hispanics aren't getting as many vaccinations as white people. He also embraced uh, the Chinese I government's well, policy. I would love to let Rush explain <laughs> how Donald Trump would have been treated had he said what Joe Biden said last night, among uh, many things Joe Biden said last Absolutely. night. Absolutely. People should tune in. It's HowieCar.com, and uh, follow him on Twitter as well. Howie, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. So here's just a piece of that um, of that bit on uh, Ted Kennedy called the philanderer. Oh, well, I'm the type of guy who will never settle down. Where pretty girls are, well, you know that I'm around. I kiss a man, I love him, cause to me they're all the same. I get so gosh darn him and I don't even know their names. Cause I'm a philanderer, yes a philanderer. I sleep around, 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 around. Well, my views are on the left, got a bimbo on the right. <laughs> Only God will know where I'll be passing out tonight. And if you want to ask me which girl I love the best, I'll tear open my shirt, got Mother Rosie on my chest. Cause I'm a philanderer, yes a philanderer. I sleep around, 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 around. There are so many of those. If I can find a show link, maybe I'll be able to throw one in the show notes. But, um, of course, any you go. You guys listen to Rush, you know, all that stuff. He was, when he went after Teddy Kennedy at that time, that's when I think, even though my dad was uh, was friendly with Ted Kennedy, we, uh, or they had worked together and stuff. And But, uh, man, that was so irreverent and so hilarious at the same time. It was just wonderful. All right, so thank you to Howie. Uh, I got to speak to Jerry Callahan as well today. Thank you to Jerry for that. Let's go right to it. All right, I am um, glad to be talking for the second time today to Jerry Callahan. You know, Jerry, the uh, king of uh, sports morning radio in Boston for a couple of decades. 
Follow Jerry at Jerry Callahan. Follow the Jerry. You should subscribe to the Jerry Callahan podcast. Follow that on Twitter, too. That's at Callahan Podcast. And uh, Jerry has been a longtime radio guy. Obviously, this is a this is a it's historic day for broadcast and certainly talk radio. Jerry, let me just ask you: um, Were you when did you when did Rush first come on your radar? A good question, Shattuck. I was. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick good uh, story about uh, when I. I don't know if it was the first time, but I was. I was aware of Rush, but hadn't really been listening. And I was at the Patriots covering the. A New England Patriots practice in their real uh, dark days. I think it had to be like 1990. Uh, Rod Rust mm. and Fred Smurlis is on the team. Fred Smurlis, local legend, a Buffalo Bills pro bowler, should be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm looking for Fred Smurlis for a story. I'm asking someone, do you know where Fred is? He says, yeah, he's out in the parking lot. He's in the parking lot. Uh, yeah, he's out there. There's a few other teammates out there. So I go in the parking lot in Foxborough, the old Foxborough Stadium, uh, a dump, if ever there were one. And he's, uh, they're all sitting like on the back of the truck and leaning on the truck and just hanging out. And they have Rush Limbaugh cranking on the radio. And I'm like, wow, this, and I meet Fred, start talking to him. And he's a raving right-wing lunatic like me. And then we became friends ever since, but they were literally, literally gathered around the radio, laughing and listening and just enjoying Rush Limbaugh. Uh, on on AM radio, a bunch. Yeah, I forget how many. There had to be I forget five or six guys. You know, after it was after practice, and they were hanging out. I don't remember if there were cold malt beverages, but there may yeah. have been, and they were just enjoying listening to Rush. Yeah, isn't that interesting that Rush was, especially in the very early days, was an event. Remember, they had Rush rooms around the country. Rush rooms. I was a life. I subscribed to the Limbaugh letter for years, Shattuck. I mean, oh wow. I, I only recently, when I had too many subscriptions to too many magazines, and I was just not getting everything. I, I think I stopped. It was an excellent read. He wrote a long essay in his lead. He did an interview, but he, the best part was a page every month called stupid quotes. That was just the name, but stupid mm. quotes. And it invariably included John Kerry, Ted Kennedy, uh, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, James Carville, all the usual suspects, but he would just compile all the stupid things they said. And I would get my rush limb. I get my Limbaugh letter in the mail and I'd just open up the stupid quotes and, and laugh out loud. It was, oh, yeah. here's what he was. Here's, here's where people, young people or new people, don't understand is he was something so different now if rush came along now you'd say boy he's good but he's he's acting like everybody else things. yes he says the same things as mark Le- mark levin or uh, or john hannity or howie Cower or, or jerry callahan or tom shattuck you'd say there's nothing really outrageous or uh, uh revolutionary or innovative about what he's saying but there was nothing like him and there had never been anything like him and I'll tell you what, he's, he's still today, there are many people who can do three hours a day, five days a week, no guests or very few guests, some phone calls, but he didn't have to take phone calls. He could literally do a three-hour monologue every day, five days a week, every week. And it was uh, new and, and funny and edgy and entertaining. There was never, he, he was the first, and I'm not sure there'll be another one like him. Yeah, yeah. Was, and I talked to Howie Carr about this. Rush especially in the early days when they were doing the bits um, and uh, he had all the segments like the environmental segment and the we're fierce, we're feminists and we're in your face, all, all, all that stuff. Right. He was, that show was, it was a talk show, but it was a funny show. It was a comedic show. I mean, you were going there to laugh. He was funny. And I'll tell you what, 
He was he, he he was the first, and we talk about this a lot now. You and I do the on taking on the mob and not backing down from the mob. And the mob controls a lot of things right now in the media. We know that we see it every day. There's you know, guys getting fired. We talked about it this week. The guy Chris Harrison from uh, The Bachelor, and you know, just every day there's someone else losing the job. The mob comes after you, and it's trouble. He never backed down from the mob. I was talking to somebody a little while ago, a friend of both of ours, and we were talking about Howard Stern. Howard Stern's the biggest sellout in, in America. I mean, radio, TV, in the media. Howard Stern this week is saying he likes uh, Mayor, uh, Mayor Cuomo, um, Governor Cuomo, yeah. Andrew Cuomo. Friend of his, he doesn't know anything about you know the nursing home story. He doesn't really pay attention to that kind of thing. Doesn't know anything about Jan- uh, uh, Janice Dean. And he didn't want to get into it. That is embarrassing. This is a sellout who says yeah. how much he likes to watch Ellen dance. This is a sellout who had <laughs> who, someone who had Hillary on his show for two hours and never asked her a tough question. Rush Limbaugh never did that. He never sold out. Howard Stern sold out. The old if you if you have a chance to hear Howard from 30, 25 years ago, you won't believe it. It's a different guy. He wanted to be friends with Hollywood. He wanted to be friends with the beautiful people in in New York City, and and go to go to Hamilton, and 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 you know wave to yeah. you know, whoever Katie Couric or whoever. And that's Howard now. Rush never had any interest in that. He was true to his ideals until the end. And I tell you that you could see by how many liberals hated him. I mean, that's a badge of honor. They hated him, and they are enjoying this day, and they're. They're tweeting about it and 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 reveling in his his oh, misery, yeah. his suffering. That's a that's a tribute to him. It I, really I, is. I, it really is. How much this guy just fathered the hell out of people. And I think the fact that he was having fun just made it even worse for them. They couldn't stand right, it right. even saying these things. So you know, along the way, uh, even though you, the progressives hated him, they made some of them made entreaties to him, and he was always happy to to join them. Like he was on that Marky Post show with John Ritter. He did it. It was like in like 1990. He did a uh, Family Guy. I think he did The Simpsons. Oh yeah, right, right, yeah. So he and wasn't like he didn't wall himself in. He was happy to hang he out. He had a sense of humor, and I, I tell you what, he um, he was ahead of the curve in so many ways. Like again, challenging the mob. I mean, taking on conventional wisdom. My first tweet was, I grew up in Kennedy Country. I went to you know public schools. I. I went to, I worked in journalism, newspapers, magazines. I went to UMass Amherst. I've been surrounded by liberals and just conventional wisdom the whole, my whole formative years. He was the first guy when I first heard him, it was simple stuff. And I said, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. obviously Reagan, Reagan was, you know, before him in my mind, Reagan was big, but Rush could do it. And he, I read all his books. I read his newsletter. I listened to his show and it was, and I, obviously echoed some of his sentiment, stole some of his sentiments because it was mm-hmm. simple stuff and small government, less regulation and more freedom and rugged individualism. And you're sitting there going, no, no, no crap. That, that's it. That's, you know, that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And in fact, one of his, one of his books is called the way it ought to be. And you and I are surrounded, yeah. you know, we were surrounded by Kennedy's and, and, you know, Barney Frank's and John Kerry's and now Liz Warren's and Ayanna Presley's. They're they're the opposite. They believe in big government and dependence on government, and not, don't believe in the individual. They don't believe in the free market. He was the opposite, and it was one guy. It was just one guy for three hours a day, and you'd say, well, you know, why can't more people think like that? You know what? There are more people, but they're in 
you know, Texas and Oklahoma and Florida, where we are, we were just surrounded by these lunatics that hated everything he stood for. Yeah, and those those books, The Way Things Ought to Be and See, I Told You So, were great books. They were a great in- introduction to conservative thinking and also very hilarious books. I mean, he was a... Nobody yeah, would ever... You know what he earned? He was a great story, a success mm-hmm. story. He was, you know, flunked out of college or quit college. You know, he'd been married four times, had no kids. You know, he, he had his issues. God knows he was a, a pill, a co- oxycone, mm-hmm. oxy... Cotton oh, addict, and that's another thing. The liberals love that when he was hooked on drugs and had to go into rehab and all that. He was like a real guy. I mean, he, he worked for the Kansas City Royals. He used to hang out with uh, George Brett, but he was never a real child of pr- child of privilege. And I'll tell you one story about what I did one time, uh, Shattuck. I was at Sports Illustrated, and they wanted this. They had this theme that sent out these ideas and these assignments to all the writers and say, you know, we're going to do a story this week or next, whatever, a couple weeks about super big sports fans, celebrity sports fans, you know, celebrities who are just huge sports fans. And the, the idea was to go watch a game with like a celebrity and see what, how big a fan he was. Do you have any ideas? And my first, and I gave like three or four ideas. And my first one was Rush Limbaugh. He goes to an NFL game like every week. Yeah. He was a huge Steelers fan. He'd fly, you know, from Florida up to Pittsburgh just to watch games or he'd fly to wherever the game was just for the day to see a game. And he knew the sport. He could talk about it. ESPN eventually hired him and fired him for nothing. <laughs> but it was funny because at this point, I, you know, you don't really know all the editors. You're kind of on your own in Sports Illustrated. And I didn't know, but they just laughed it, laughed the idea off yeah. and just rejected it out of hand because, you know, they're New York liberals. And they hated the idea of doing anything but, you know, vilifying or demonizing Rush. And eventually, this is neither here nor there, eventually I got my assignment, and it was a pretty cool one. I was supposed to go to Seattle with Freddie Couples and watch football so for a Sunday of watching football. And I was all set to go, and, and he canceled on me. He said, no, nah, I don't want to. <laughs> so I never did. I never did anybody. But my idea was to go to Pittsburgh and hang out with Rush, and they – isn't it, they rejected it. And, you know, he talked about this in his books and on the air all the time. He was going after, I don't know if I had heard the term political correctness before Rush came around. Right. There's lots of terms you didn't hear. Lots of terms that, you know, it took, I mean, just saying that rugged individualism. Yes. Idea, what does that mean? What does that mean? You got a whole idea of, you know, facing adversity and fighting through it. It was like, you know, he reminded you of American, the American way, American ideals. And again, when you and I are surrounded by these lunatics that thought the government was answered to everything and big government and handouts and, you know, the, you know, welfare and just more, you know, public everything, public education, and, and, and nothing was up to the individual. It was eye-opening. It just right. Went, wow. And then I didn't realize that's how people thought in other parts of the country. That's how people thought in other, other businesses, because in our business, everybody was, you know, just a knee-jerk liberal. They were raised that way and they stayed that way and that's the way it was. And Rush just introduced me and so many others to a whole different world. Can you imagine how, what a turn ESPN has taken now? And no, I was thinking about putting it on, see what they would do with it. But I mean, sure, they'll just do a straight news thing. But I'm telling you, I fought this fight for, you know, years. They brought him on. I understood why they brought him on. He brings in a huge audience. 
He was smart. He knew football. He really did. He loved it. He, you know, he played it, but he loved it. And he you know, watched games. He would talk about them on Monday and exactly break them down. It wasn't just some casual fan. So they bring him on with Chris Berman and Tom Jackson. He sits over on the side and he does his thing. And what he said was 100% right. There was nothing offensive. It was one of these things, again, ahead of his time. Now you hear stories like, you know, Chris Harrison or whatever, and you say, what did he do wrong? They just fired a guy for nothing. Well, or, or you know, uh, Mike Milbury or, or uh, you know, these people, these, these guys who lose their jobs for doing nothing because someone interpreted it as racist, racist. He said the media is invested in Donovan McNabb. They really want him to succeed because he's black and they want a black quarterback to succeed. That was 100% true. The media wanted him to succeed. It doesn't mean he was good or bad, but you're going to get you're going to get cheerleading in the press box because the people like Donovan McNabb. And you know what? I was one of them. I went and did a story on McNabb when he was uh, coming out of college and he was a top draft pick for the Eagles and he got booed. And I went and hung out with him and walked around Philadelphia and he was a great guy. And yeah, he, he called me up. And said, "Can I bring a, a date?" And I said, "Sure." We went to lunch for cheesesteak. It was right. one of those Philly stories. He brought his mother, and his <laughs> mother was great. And we walked around. People were cool, and I just I, I thought the guy was great, and I was rooting hard for him. And in a way, I'm not sure I was all that objective. I wanted McNabb to succeed. I wanted him to be a star. He ended up being pretty damn good. Yeah. But Rush stated the obvious, and these lunatics said that's racist. And I go, "Wait a second, that's the opposite of racist." He said they're all hoping he succeeds. They're looking at him and saying uh, they're supporting him and, and rooting for him and hoping he succeeds. That doesn't, that doesn't mean Mac, uh, that's not racist, but whatever. They fired him for it. My favorite story from that was Tom Jackson, you know, the other guy, the former linebacker. Yeah. I know you're a big fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Rush would fly up to um, Connecticut to do the show on the weekend in a private jet. And he would pick up Tom Jackson. I don't know if he did it every week, but he, Tom Jackson lived in Cincinnati, I believe. He'd pick him up and fly him up. So Tom Jackson obviously you know, appreciated that and liked Rush. As soon as Rush got in trouble, what did Tom Jackson do? <laughs> Bailed on him, said, oh, no, uh, we got to get rid of him. Yeah. Just turned like a rat on, on, on Rush. I mean, the guy gives you a, fly, a ride on his private jet. I would think he'd engender a little loyalty, but no, didn't happen. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, the people were so quick to turn their I mean, the time away. you took me on your jet, I'll never forget it. It was wonderful. And I knew that you wouldn't stab me in the back, Jerry, I when I got in hot water it. that time. But I, you know, I remember being in the station that carried, even one of the stations that carried Rush, and after the Sandra Fluke thing, the person, the personalities changed. You know, the salespeople who had done quite well. You know, in or around him. Obviously, that uh, he was syndicated, so not as well as the local shows. But, but yeah, people are ready to drop you like a fly. But you know, back to like one of the things that Rush said that was unbelievable. I I couldn't believe it makes sense that he took over for um for Robert Downey Morton Downey Jr. because Morton Downey Jr. was a loud, brash guy, and then Rush came on into. To HDH in in '88 and and he was like very self assured and he was like he was he was a self promoter and he was loud and brash, but he was ballsy back then, Jerry. Because like you were talking about, you know, you know, it was innovative, Tom, and you don't even think of it. The whole you know, I'm the greatest, yeah, bravado, and and Howard Stern stole that from him, and so did a number of other people. They brag and they boast. You see it on 
Twitter, don't you know, don't ever doubt me. I'm always right. That's kind of a thing, a yes. shtick. That was Russia's shtick 30 years ago, probably before yes. that, Sacramento, on with talent on loan from God. Yes, with one half, my hand brain, tied, yes. half my brain tied yes. behind my back to make it fair. All that stuff, that brash, bravado, tongue-in-cheek, you know, uh, uh, cockiness, that pe- millions of people stole that from him. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe he stole from someone else. But a lot of what he did, they, uh, you know, they stole uh, was, was, I mean, hell, I'm sure I stole things from him. You just listened to him and you couldn't help but steal some of the shit. Yeah. But, you know, it's so like you said, growing up in Massachusetts, you, t- you, you grow up to love the Kennedys. You're told you have to love the Kennedys. You know, half the people I grew up with had, uh, you know, those pictures of JFK in their house with the, the silhouette of JFK in the house, or a little bust of JFK. Like the Kennedys were absolutely royal. And here comes this guy from out of town, Rush Limbaugh, calling him the swimmer, Teddy the swimmer, and <laughs> having bits about Chappaquiddick making fun of him. It was it was like blasphemy. It was so shocking at that time because this is like right around the time when Howie was about to be on the air slamming the Kennedys. But man, the the cojones this guy had were freaking incredible. It was, and I mean, they, you could, and I mean, you could judge him on his enemies. Like I said, the guy like Howard Stern concern, you know, he he sold out to his enemies. Rush never did. It was just one big middle finger every day to his enemies. And I'll say this: one of the great things Donald J. Trump did in his four years of, of in office was giving the Medal of uh, what is mm. the Medal? Medal of Freedom? Medal yeah. of, no, Medal of Freedom. Freedom, yeah. Medal of Freedom to uh, Rush at the State of the Union because it was. 100% applauded by Trump supporters. I mean, that was, in, in in most days, that was the beauty of Trump, is he knew who his supporters were and who his enemies were, and he never got, he rarely got that mixed up. He knew who was on his side. And in this case, I mean, if you offered that chance to George Bush or Mitt Romney, they would say, no, no, that'll upset some people on the left. He once, you know, he once made fun of Chelsea Clinton, or he once made fun of Ted Kennedy. We can't honor him in front of the whole country, in front of the whole Congress and Trump, to his credit, says, screw that. I'm honoring him. And we loved it. Nancy <laughs> Pelosi hated it. Liz Warren oh, yeah. hated it. And and the people who mattered, the people who supported Trump and put him in office, loved it. It was a great idea. I'm not sure it was his idea. I've heard Rush tell the whole story. He got a call. like It was like two days before that. Said, can you come yeah. up? Two, three days. And he was going through. He, I think he was in treatment when he got the phone call, like in chemo. And he said, you're coming up and run. And they said, I don't think I can. I'm in treatment. And Trump said, I'll call the uh, the doctor. I'll call the head of the hospital. We're going to get you up here. Mm. And Trump wouldn't take no for an answer. And it's a good thing, too, because that was a great event. Yeah, it was a hell of an event. Probably the 20, the last great crowning achievement for Trump, actually, was last year around that time. Before I let you go, Jerry, just to the X's and O's of another thing that Rush did for radio and talk radio and something that affected your world in terrestrial radio is um, the amount of audio he had, all of the sound he had, at a time when you used to have to roll on stuff live. You'd have to have some right. guy watching TV and roll on everything was absolutely incredible. Like, he he came out with all those great cuts before a lot of other people. Like, the uh, I, I'm looking, f- um, can I get me a hunting license here? Like, Rush had right, that one. That was obscure. He had so much stuff. It certainly made producers' lives miserable probably after that. But I mean, I mean that must be something. Did you use his show for your own show prep? Absolutely, absolutely. I'll tell you what he did. There was 
I guarantee you there's still a lot of program directors and general managers who think you can't do a show with just one guy and a producer, you know, maybe an engineer. You know, you got to have, uh, you know, we fought this fought for years. You got to have weather. You got to have traffic. You got to have someone, you know, bringing you the news. And we'd go, no, no, it's not how it's going to. We literally got in a fight with one general manager. This wasn't that long ago. This was eight, eight, nine years ago. Yeah. The guy's saying we had to give the time and we had to give the weather <laughs> at breaks or whatever breaks or coming out of breaks. And we were going, no. And we, and we literally screaming at each other going, we're not, we won that fight. We won that fight. <laughs> but, uh, and we said, no, Who they, said every person, every person in their car has like six different places. They could see the time, you know, on the radio. Jerry, who, who's the here. PD? This cannot be a Jason Wolf idea. He wouldn't have done that. No, it was the general manager who turned out to be a good general man. This was early on, but we had our fights and we turned, he turned out to be a, a fighter on our side, Phil Zachary. He was a good general manager and we missed him. Believe me when he was gone, he did not roll over for, for anyone. He was always up for a fight and that's what we needed. After he was gone, we didn't have it. And then we ended up being gone, but yes, what I think, like most of the really good podcasts and shows, are just a guy, you know, like big, the real successful ones like like Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino, they're just a guy with a producer, maybe not even a producer, just ranting, playing cuts from the news of the day. Here's a cut from whatever from Biden last night, and they'll go on and give you that. And it's not a lot. It's not a whole ensemble. It's not Weather Girl over here and this guy giving his right. horoscopes. You know, and that was Rush. And I guarantee you, there were a million fights along the way for Rush with program directors and general managers saying, oh, no, you got to have a weather guy. What yes. about the traffic? And he just said, no, I'm not doing it. And or you got to give the other side. And he would take calls if someone wanted to come on and challenge him. But he didn't feel the need. To, you know, we need balance here. People will be upset. Right. Or sometimes I, I don't these program directors actually make me very. It makes me upset to think about it. You know, we want a. I want a new topic for every segment. Or freaking, right. oh, awful, awful. And you know, well, and that's why the, the people who get it could make it. I think in radio, and Russia's one of those guys can do, can make a show out of a matchbook if you need to, because it's about right, the entertaining. Because you guys, you and and Minahan and you and Dino were a sports show, but it was really an entertainment show. Like even. Eddie Andelman was a sports show, but Eddie was making, was having, it was about entertainment. The car talk guys, who I think were good, you know, it didn't, it wasn't about cars, just about being a good entertainers. And absolutely, Rush knew that he had to be an entertainer. Right. I mean, and, and he didn't listen to those fools, you know, he right. went with his instincts. And I think he had great instincts. I'll tell you one thing, other thing he was ahead of the curve on, Chaddock. Is like 20, 20, 25 years ago, he moved to Florida, got a big house and a studio uh, and no more taxes, no more living in New York City. And now everyone's doing it. That's <laughs> he, not a he brilliant out, idea. He got out of New York 20, 25 years ago. All right, Jerry, I appreciate it here. This is um, obviously this is a, a watershed day, I guess it is. I mean, he did live to be 70 and, uh, you know, the cancer sucks. Obviously, we can all agree on that. But, um, but yeah, that's the end of an era. Jerry Callahan, you can find him. Follow him on Twitter, at Jerry Callahan. You can follow him at the uh, – follow the Jerry Callahan podcast. Subscribe, leave a nice, leave a nice review. Um, and um, check me out on the Callahan podcast. I made a uh, two appearances this week, Jerry. I like that. They were, they were spectacular, too. <laughs> Don't, you know, listen, to, listen to me 
or you, and then listen to the other one today. But come you to me. Time. And uh, this is good. We, you know, we wrapped up today before Rush died, but we had we had some pl- we had plenty to work with, and I'll get into this again tomorrow because uh, I don't think you can overstate the impact Rush had on everybody in the business. Totally agree. All right, Jerry. Thanks so much. All right, Shattuck. I'll talk to you. See you later. Wilmington, Delaware, and Chris, you're next on WABC. Hi. Ah, you said Wilmington, Delaware. I should have restated this is Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay, time out. Mr. Snurdly, I have warned you about this I don't know how many times. I don't want to sit here and look like a fool. There's plenty of room up there to type NC next to Wilmington. Many Wilmingtons, and Delaware's closer. By the way, ditto and a half from the land of the Willing Life Pine. Thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah, you heard a lot of that during the Russian Bus Show. Thank you to Jerry Callahan. Um, it, it, what a, geez, just a long time. So I used to, like I said, the, Jerry's, um, not Jerry, Rush's show is so full of good audio that that I've worked for people. And Jay Severin used to listen to it all the time. Jay, who passed away last year. And it wasn't uncommon. Jay Howie used to listen to it, too, and they'd ask for the audio from it. We used to roll on Rush because the audio was so good and strip the uh, audio from him. Okay, uh, last interview about this. And um, you will notice, if you, in case you thought my um, stammering, meandering um, style of uh, interviewing was uh, unstable enough on its own, uh, at the, the last half of this interview with... Uh, this chat, I guess, let's talk with uh, Kirk Minahan. I veer into nowhere land as I ask him about Winchester, Massachusetts, just because we're both from there, and I've been wanting to talk to him about some stuff about that. But you know what? It's all in celebration of um, conversations and talk radio and the great Rush Limbaugh. I'm thrilled to speak to Kirk Minahan, who's one of the good guys in show business. The Kirk Minahan show uh, podcast is fantastic. It's a fantastic show. He's just... Um, a uh, fearless, fearless uh, host. <laughs> and I think mm. The show cannot be explained, unfortunately, Kurt. No, no. Yeah, impossible. <laughs> no, you had no chance, Tommy. There's zero chance. But we have a good time. We talk about something. It's not different. Oh, you know, the show, or we can do some of the same topics. We do in a, we, I mean, it's just this sort of never-ending little, I've just, this is the most claustrophobic show in the history of broadcasting. And that's what it is. If you get in the middle of it, it'll just destroy you. So. So, you know, Rush Limbaugh passed away today, and I've been talking to folks, kind of the, the biggies in Boston radio, um, and um, and you can't, I mean, the guy, everybody, almost everybody, probably not you, but almost everybody who's in political talk radio is derivative of this guy in some way. I mean, is he not the most influential guy who's ever been into talk radio? Yeah, I mean, I don't know where like I don't know where Stern fits in that conversation, but mm-hmm. like, I, like, so I was talking to Jerry earlier today, and I, I bet you Jerry, I bet you Jerry stole this. I said to Jerry, Rush is the anti Howard Stern. He never changed. Did Jerry steal my line and taking this interview with you? Or no? <laughs> That's incredible. Um, I would say he did, right? I he did. Say- <laughs> he did. Just say he did. He did. <laughs> He did. Don't make me testify, Kirk. But that seems uh, he did. that sounds what, very familiar. To he's just the something. most. He, 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 you know, he's the you know, he's the anti Howard Stern. He never changed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, look, I I'm different than like you know. I know you talked to Howie, Jerry. Like the bad parts of Rush are part of the discussion too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Michael J. Fox thing was not good. Um, uh, the Georgetown uh, girl, uh, Sandra. Uh, Sandra Fluke. Uh, not not good. Like not good. Right. 
but that being said, like that's a life of 40 years when you take chances and every day of his career, you know, he was in the middle of it. But what he was, was, you know, like I remember driving cross country and, and the first time I drove cross country and you would be in the middle of America and you hit scan on FM, you'd have nothing. You did scam on AM, scan on AM, whether you were in Oklahoma, North Dakota. I've done this a bunch of times. And you would get like eight rushes at like one o'clock yes. in the afternoon. Like, so when people are like, oh, you know, this is a typical coastal thing where it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know anybody who listens to him. Well, great. Everybody in the middle of America listened to the guy for whatever, 25, 30 years. I, I think you're right. I think he's the most influential, not so much the influence. I mean, I know he gave birth to the generation of like the, of the savages and those the guys, humanities, yeah. but it, yeah, in terms of shaping an American conversation, good or bad, uh, there's no, I don't think there's anybody who matches up in the, in the medium to him. I just don't. So were you, well, you would have been in high school when he hit in 88 or maybe even junior high. Um, right. But when did you, you obviously, I assume being a kid from Winchester with a life, you weren't listening to him then. When did you kind of <laughs> discover? Yeah. I would say like around like Clinton sort of that's when he became, you know, I think that's when Rush, I, I remember one of the books came out. I forget who wrote the book. It wasn't his book, but it was one of those like hit books, like Hot Air, I think it was called. I read that 60 Minutes in a Profile um, and he became big. And I was always, and I've said this before, like I was not a huge fan of his, but I'm a huge admirer of anyone who can talk for 20, 25 minutes without taking a call, without doing a bit, without having a guest on and be compelling, whether you like him or not. He was, you know, I think politically predictable, but he was always compelling. You know, I don't know. I mean, of, of an average Rush show, what percentage of that show was Rush talking? 96%? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's nobody else like that who's good. I mean, there's plenty of guys who, who suck, who aren't entertaining, who just drone on and on, and they're just looking at the, I've done it, I've been there, where you're looking at the clock to get to 18 past the hour so you get to a break. <laughs> He always was whenever, and I listened to him maybe a few months ago. I was like, you know, I've not heard Rush Limbaugh in forever. And like, I didn't agree with a lot of it, but I was entertained for, and this was at the end for like 40 minutes. And I was like, this guy, whether you like him or not, whatever is a damn good broadcaster. I know he was a top 40 guy who fizzled out and found something else, but so what? Like he found his medium essentially really invented it. Now I know people who do political talk before put his stamp on it and it's going to go on now, and there's a not, there was a new generation of guys who are in their 20s and 30s, and women, and and that's going to go on forever, whether you like it or not. And I've seen some of these; it is amazing. Like you know, um, I'm trying to think of of, of, of a right wing, a left wing equivalent. No one in left wing has ever been successful in radio. No, it's like if there was if, Tom Hartman. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. There's not there right. are too many Air American, all that crap. But if somebody died with a with a with a record worse than Russia's the obits would be like, you know, just buttery. But with Rush, he's one of those guys where people are like, we can write whatever we want about this guy. When he's dead, he's been dead for 10 minutes. Yeah. And they're just yeah. lining Rest up. Rest in piss was, was trending. Rest in piss is trending right, on Twitter. Right. Just and like, and I mean, you know, I get it. Like, that's part of the deal. I, I don't, and I think the beauty of him is like, whether you like him or not, he wouldn't care about that. He really wouldn't. Like, he just wouldn't care. No. Well, well, you. That's that brings me to something that, he didn't care. He was nationally known, loved by half the country, but frigging hated by the oh, other half because oh. because of, you know, he was a conservative. He was 
he was all the wrong things. He was fat. He was a Caucasian conservative who later right. started indulging in golf and cigar. He was like absolutely everybody's picture of the, the you know, the detached, cruel uh, conservative. But, and he had people, you know, they went after him for his, the Oxycontin thing too. They tried to put the screws to him and they like uh, in, mm-hmm. in Florida. But, so he had these, this visceral hatred this huge cloud of negativity so when he walked outside of that studio in florida new york he had to deal with that and mm-hmm. so and you've had that obviously mm-hmm. you've had people who just freaking hate you i've, I've talked mm-hmm. to people in radio and 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 who've said uh who've asked if i like the show because they're they used to like the other station the the other sports station right and i yeah. said yeah i love jerry and kirk it's it's great kind of balls out radio and the guy's put on they they leave it all out there it's awesome and they would say i can't believe you you like kirk minahan we thought you were <laughs> thought you were a decent guy like, right 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 freaking is wrong with people so how do you handle i mean well i mean obviously it can get to you it's gotten to you before but i mean how do you handle knowing that like if you walk through winchester center right now there would be you know a good half of the people would would think at least on Twitter, that, that is, there goes that mf or Kirk Minahan. Sure. Yeah, and I got people I grew up with who send me messages and like, I can't believe what's happened to you. What's really? become, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm the same, but trust me when I tell you I'm the same person I was and I'm, you know, even, you know, I was less mature in middle school. I, you just, you know, it does, it does affect me, but you know, I thought about with Rush because I watched the Michael J. Fox clip today, right? I mean, there's no, like to me, there's no defense of that clip. It's bad. It's just stupid. He's, but being that being said, I watched it and I thought, well, I don't agree with it, but I completely understand how you get in this situation when you say something like that. I just get it. Like you do it for four hours every day. You're trying to say stuff. You see that. Maybe you think one thing and you expand into something else and it blows up. So I do get it. Um, but like the, like, I, I think that I would guess if you could, if you could have sat down with Rush Limbaugh and had a real conversation with him, I don't know how much attention he paid to it, but certainly with Jerry and with me, like the train is moving. So no pun intended in my case, the train is moving so fast that like the difference between when we started being attacked by an activist at the end of 2017 and today mm. it's 500 times worse today, a thousand times worse today. So, I mean, if Rush Limbaugh, that's the other thing I think that's interesting is there would have been no Rush, no Rush Limbaugh if Rush Limbaugh was 28 years old today. He would not have landed on all those. He just wouldn't have. Now, I know conservative radio has different standards, but his platform, he would have been deplatformed. You never had to get got a chance, Tom, to get so big that they couldn't really deplatform him. They would have yeah. killed him. Because right now, you know, like they smell blood right now. I mean, when you start when you start digging through the through the weeds and you start picking on Chris Harrison, then now we're just now we're just killing people just for fun. So, I mean, they would have they and, and, and after the Sandra Fluke thing, I mean, Rush took a real hit. A yeah. real hit with advertisers. I mean, I think he got a lot of them back, but he would have never. Same with Stern. The Stern I loved growing up, no, would have lasted fifteen minutes on the radio today before they got rid of him. Oh my god! The yeah, you know. certain yes, words that begin with N, among others. I mean, that is for sure. Not only all the time on the show fired, but everybody in that building would have to go into retraining, right? Reeducation. Yep. Yep. That would be well, and we've talked about this before. And you know, I'll ask you. And Rush did the same thing. When you were talking a couple few years ago, during one of your suspensions, you were talking about right before, and it became 
very obviously that you wouldn't be there the next day. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about Linda Pizzuti and John Henry and all that yep. crap and whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know mm-hmm. right there, Kirk, that you are freaking on a balance yep. beam. That you yep. know that people in the next office, if they're not in the control room by now, are looking mm-hmm. at you and saying, hey, MF, don't you dare. You know that the salespeople people are going to yep. the PD and the GM and saying, you better take your guy and tell him to calm the freak down. These are our clients here. These are our business partners here. I mean, and then you skate on that. Like, what? How do you keep it together to not be, to not be relent, to not like say, okay, I'm going to pull away from Pizzuti and John Henry for a little bit here, just out of, um, like, why do you make the choice to do the entertaining but self destructive thing? Yeah, I mean, I, for me, like in, in those days, when I would get in a moment like that, and I called Linda Pizzuti and John Henry, I think pandering pukes from the mm-hmm. top of their head to the bottom of their feet. And I, was, I mean, I stand by that. But like I got I was so angry at the time that I knew while I was like you said, and, and when we were and Jerry will tell you, like we had like a glass, they change it. There was like almost like a glass walls in front of us. So the salespeople would bring like clients and then watch us. We were like at the circus yeah. and watch us do stuff. And I remember in the middle of that rant and Jerry was gone. He was on vacation. Uh, and like, you could see like bodies just flying by and like papers were flying. And I was like, <laughs> you knew, and I, I knew, I knew it was a great rant, but I also knew, yeah, I was absolutely screwed. Um, but sometimes you get so in that moment and you get so angry that there's no, for me and still I'm lucky I have a job now where I can just do it. Mm-hmm. But like, there was no governor in my head that said, I should stop here. I should keep going because telling the truth to me, if I'm getting suspended for two weeks or losing my job was more important than just keeping my job and collecting a check every two weeks. There are people, by the way, who have the opposite view. And I've learned to understand that there are people like that. Not everybody's going to be like me. Not everybody's going to be like, you know, one of those people. Um, but I could never do that. And I do think Limbaugh um, was the same way, though. I do like I would have liked more. Rush, like occasionally maybe thinking different <laughs> than the rest of the Republican Party on stuff. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? And that was a close enough examiner. And that may be a poor, I may be wrong. And, and maybe somebody has 50 examples that they do great. But I just kind of always thought I knew where Rush was going to be on something. And that's not my favorite thing. You know what I mean? From a yeah, that is a gr- that is a good point. He was a Reagan Republican, RNC Republican. So the right. really, the only time he really, I think he really diverted was embracing Trump when some of the stalwarts didn't want that. But but other right. than that, yes, he was selling the elephant Republicans, and yeah, yeah, that is a little that is a little um, tough to handle. All right, Kirk, uh, thank you very much for your time here. Sure, um, I appreciate that. You're not allowed to tell me where you are. This has been an ongoing thing in the podcast, uh-huh. Kirk Minahan show. You are somewhere in the country, somewhere I'm south somewhere- of Massachusetts. Um, I'm <laughs> sure, I-, I will say where where I am right now. The town that I'm in right now certainly voted for uh, former President Trump. Well, I don't know. I mean, I know Jerry. Jerry still thinks Trump Trump won the election and Biden's an actor, right? He thinks that it's a it's like WandaVision yes. where he's uh, OK. No, uh, I'm I'm trying my best. It's called The Case. It'll be out in April, maybe May. It's Bar- Barcelona's first true crime series. It's going to be, we think, eight episodes. Um, and I'm just digging in. I was talking to you before we taped this and like, I just got, I, I like doing my show. We do it three days a week now, but I wanted to, to, to do something else. Like I want to keep trying to do different stuff and see if I can do it. If it's a failure, it's a failure. Like I've learned to, 
to be okay with that. You know, like years ago, I would drive myself nuts if it didn't work. But now if it doesn't work and it's a it's an interesting miss, it's an interesting miss. Hey, one thing before I let you go, Kirk, because sure. I, I think Winchester's an odd town. I really do. I think it was a, an outlier town. I think Winchester created a lot of interesting people. And I would, I am, I can't afford Winchester, but I would also never move there. I wouldn't want my kids growing up in, in that environment. What are you, what, how do you feel about Winchester? Do you, you I mean, obviously, well, well, so we, yeah, so we both grew up there. I graduated in 93. You graduated in 91. 91. Okay. Um, you know, it's changed. I think like it's, everything's different now, Tom, because, you know, I have a 14 year old. I'm in Lexington, the next town over, which is just as nuts. Yeah. But like, I just don't, I'll, you know, the day, the, the day after the, um, the capital stuff, uh, so that'd be what January 7th. Is that right? The day after oh, the seventh, you're right. So was that a Friday or th- I forget what every day it was. So the instruction was maybe a, th- a Thursday, whatever it was the next school day. My daughter, Kate was home that week, you know, home on weekend school next week. I went downstairs just to, just to peek in for a second before she yelled at me and, uh, and her civics teacher uh, you know, this man in his about my age was literally weeping about what happened. Like he was weeping, oh, weeping about what. And and I'm sitting here thinking, if I showed you my property taxes, you would vomit. And I'm paying for yeah. you know this. So like I don't know. I just think everything's different now. But I know if this had happened in 1990, 1991, we're both in that school. We wouldn't be. It would just be different. Winchester's. <clears throat> Winchester's. Look, it's a it's a good place to raise kids. I do think. And I, you know, and I, and I know people in Lexington and people in Winchester, people are fleeing these yeah. towns and moving to different states and di- Florida, Maine, uh, Montana. I know somebody, fl- you know, uh, 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 North Carolina, my brother yeah. moved to South Carolina where people are like, I just can't. And it's not even, it's not even that they disagree with them politically, although mostly they do. It's just that there's no room for a debate at all anymore. It's gone. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't want to sit there and have somebody like lecture my kid for eight hours a day about this. I just don't. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's what we have now. And that's what Winchester, with that idiot uh, uh, principal Mahoney, who I hate, who, you know, brought Shirley Leon yeah. to speak to the school. Um, but that's what they want now. If you look at these teachers, you know, Facebook accounts and social media accounts, it's I just want to go to D'Agostino's, have a sandwich, <laughs> and you know, walk around downtown, go to the bookstore, white and watch, you know, white pantry. You know what? I want to get some bread, and I just want to feed the ducks. So I want me and my dad feed the ducks again. That's all. I mean, is that is that so much to ask, Tom? Can you bring my dad back to life and have him feed ducks with me? Is that is that too much? Is your do you have is your family at Wildwood? No, they're out of out of the state in Vermont. Okay, because yeah. I saw Shattuck near mine the other day. I didn't know there if it was. Some- uh, there are I was some. Gonna text you that not way. one of mine. No, no. But okay. you're you're right. No, I want. I just found a picture of me in Ginfield playing baseball. Oh yeah, like, take Absolutely. me back to that freaking those the piggies pizza or whatever at Ginfield and that little uh, hot. Uh, right. Little, but um, you know, we're getting old, Tom. We're getting I know. old. Once you start doing that, once you start doing the, you know, and you know, what? our the next generation will be like, oh, you know, it's 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 endless. But this, it's wild now, and it's and it's. It's scary, and I hate you know. There's parts of and I, people I grew up with from Winchester live in Winchester now. Are like it's we're gone. We've lost the town. Yeah. The town is is run amok. So you won't be watching any Winchester football team games, I assume, in the near future, Kirk. Those days are over. Uh, well, yes, the Winch. Uh, what are they going to be? The Winchester. Do they, I don't, I don't, what, what do you think they'll be? I don't think they should be anything. They should be called the Winchester football team, so they can feel freaking embarrassed forever. 
It's so funny. How about, how about, how about like RBG? And they just they they put Ruth Bader Ginsburg face at like the fifty <laughs> yard line, and they just and they do it that way. That seems like a, a a fair tribute. So you know, I moved up here to Pentucket, which is up near Newburyport, and yep. um, they just changed those sachems as well. So they they've lost that oh, good. too. So and, everything's and good. Everything's- all, the schools are closed, of course. But the name right. has changed, so we're all good. All right, and everything great. once I did it, everything was solved, right? Yeah, you know, everything was. You're good, good. That's a, to me, it's important. You get you focus on the real important stuff like that, you know. Jesus Christ! All right, unbelievable. But it all does right, tie Tom. back into Limbaugh. I appreciate it, Kirk Minahan, and sure. check out his uh, podcast. It's a great podcast. It should be a must subscribe, leave reviews and all that stuff. And he's doing something clandestine down somewhere in the United States right now. Somewhere in the USA. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate yeah. it. Man. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. And and, and 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 can you defend Bruce or Jerry with me next time, please? For God's sakes, Different. The, the man's been through enough. Oh, Springsteen, uh, I don't want yes, to get the, into this with you because I'm fear. I fear your wrath on the subject. The man, the man, the man, the man has been through enough. I mean, really, just please give him a break. <laughs> That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Will do. All right, talk. Thank all you. Right. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your uh, company in this and joining me tonight. You know, um, you know, R.I.P. Rush Limbaugh, man, what a legend, what a legend you were, and God, you brought a lot of joy to a lot of people for a lot of years, and we really, really appreciate that. Thanks to Kirk, thanks to Jerry, thanks to um, Howie, thanks to Todd, thanks to VB. Here tonight is a special man, beloved by millions of Americans, who just received a stage four advanced cancer diagnosis. This is not good news, but what is good news is that he is the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet. Rush Limbaugh, thank you for your decades of tireless devotion to our country. In recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and that you inspire and all of the incredible work that you have done for charity. I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I will now ask the First Lady of the United States to present you with the honor, please.
have mentioned, a bunch of us who were radio producers got to run the board for this, so you'd be hearing this come down the line to the board and hear it reverberate. What a, uh, what a thrill. Thank you, Rush. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.